Good morning and greetings in Jesus' precious name. I count it a privilege to worship with you. And uh, it's also a privilege to share God's word with you as well. Uh, we have been called to that responsibility. And if we, need, we are to take that responsibility seriously, but also we are to find joy where God call, asks us to serve. And so truly I do count it a privilege, although you know, you get into new congregations, sometimes there's apprehension as well. And so um, I do appreciate your prayers as we go through the message this morning. The congregation here has faced some similar things that our congregation did back home. Uh, the same evening that Josh was ordained bishop, uh, we had a bishop ordination at our church as well. And so I did share, and there was a lot, we, I shared in that lot, but Brother Carrick Musser was ordained. So there are maybe some, some similar feelings that we have had uh, and there's always that apprehension and change of leadership. And so I just encourage the congregation to embrace what God has given you. Uh, God has given you a gift. And the, it, through the transition process, things hopefully will go smoothly. But it's a change. And it's going to be different than what we were used to. And so uh, allow for that difference. And, you know, I'll bless uh, Brother Josh, who was ordained, as he takes on that responsibility. It so happened, well, just another thing, I, I am Danlin's father. And so, uh, you parents, sometimes you tell your children, you know, just walk to Sunday school. Don't, don't run. Well, and along with not only don't run to Sunday school, don't skip to Sunday school either, or don't hop. Uh, Danlin had plenty of energy as a young child, and mother would notice him hopping down the aisle to Sunday school or skipping. <laughs> so if he has a little bit of energy in the classroom, it's, it's just part of who he is. So. <laughs> Danlin also likes numbers, uh, always did. Uh, I... Just this past week was thinking, I said, just in my mind, and of course he wasn't, but he was probably counting the seconds until he breathed after he was born. Uh, he loves numbers that well. Uh, he, did, he did at a young age count by twos to hundred, and then he tells mom, well, you know, and, and he starts out with the odd numbers and counts the odd numbers to 100 as well. And I forget the exact age, but this was uh, a few years before school. So he does love numbers, and so if he's a mathematician, uh, that's, that's yeah, it's part of who he is. Uh, his grandfather, actually, no, his great-grandfather, my grandfather, he would make sure the calculators and the adding machines were right because he was that, he was that good and bad. And he also knew the license plates of every single person in the congregation, and they got new plates every year, and he had those memorized, so... But today we are going to be looking into 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as the study for today. I am currently at home going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And it so happened even in all that was going on at home, it was my duty to preach 
on Sunday morning while I was also waiting on an answer from the Lord as to what was going to happen here in the Sunday evening. And so I was glad I was in a book study, and I see that the Lord you know, just had it all worked out, uh, and the, the passage fit fairly, fairly well. Those of you who know Corinthians or Corinth, Corinth was a church that had uh, difficulties. And there was, Paul begins his letter after the introduction, he comes right into the fact of the thought of division. Uh, his desire for the church in chapter 1 is, is after he gets done with the introduction, he, in verse 10 he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in one voice, in the same mind, and in the same judgment. Be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. That was Paul's desire for the church. He then goes on and says, but there's things that I hear coming from this church at Corinth. And I hear that there's contention. And that contention is rising from their uh, divided loyalty to the leadership, to those who gave leadership to the church. And this is what he says in, chapter, in verse 2. Now this I say that every one of you, Seth, this is what he's hearing from, from Corinth. I am of Paul... And I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. So you had different people within the congregation that were following different ones of the leaders. Uh, one was following Paul, or a group was following Paul, a group was following Apollos, uh, Cephas, and Christ. And, and Paul addresses that. The commentaries say that he sort of lets that lay and waits till chapter 3 to pick it up again. But... Chapter 3 says, uh, Paul is saying, not in bragging, but he says, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And so Paul addresses the issue that there is contention arising from the fact of, of undue loyalty to a particular leader or particular speaker or teacher within the, that has taught them. Paul comes back and he says uh, that Christ has called him to preach the gospel, not with enticing words, uh, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And he comes right back to his, and then verse 17 he says that, uh, yeah, that the cross of Christ be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. And so Paul comes right back to, the, to what established the church. And the establishment of the church was Jesus Christ. And every member that came into the church of Corinth came in through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, Amen. through Christ crucified. And that is a humiliating thing. It was through humility of Christ that they come together in the church. And now they are, you know hankering after different leaders that, and causing division. Well, Paul goes right back to the foundation. Look, it, it is Christ. It, it is, it, that is how we come together in the body uh, of the, the church. It is through Jesus Christ. Paul then talks about the wisdom of the world and, and the wisdom of God. And he, I, I just briefly get a few things before we get into chapter 3. 
Verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so we see, uh, well, I just come down in the fact of the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. Go to verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things of the, that are mighty. And base things of the world and things that are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And so God has chosen a cross. And the Jews rejected Jesus as their Messiah, they were not going to have a crucified, humiliated Messiah. Christ was a stumbling block to them. But this is what Paul is saying. This is the, this is the core of what makes up the church. It is in Jesus Christ. It is founded in Christ. It is in the wisdom of God. It is not in the wisdom of men. It is in the wisdom of God that no man would glory in men but that all would glory in, uh, give glory to God. We have that at the end of, of verse 31. Uh, end of chapter 1, verse 31. Paul then goes on into chapter 2, and he, he speaks to the Corinthians of how he has come. He said, I, I didn't come with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, but I came, I, I, came, I was in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words, but it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that was Paul's desire for the church that it would be founded and established in the, the, the power of God. And Paul then speak, goes on to continue to speak about the wisdom of God, the things that God has reserved for, for those who, who trust in him, believe in him. Verse 9 says, It is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard what God hath prepared for those that love him. But those things are revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And he goes on to say that we have not the Spirit of this world, but we have the Spirit of God and that spirit then reveals, that spirit then helps us to understand spiritual things. And the natural man doesn't understand the things of the spirit of God because it is a natural mind. Uh, they, they think on natural things. Then we come into chapter 3. I've entitled the message, The Work of the Lord. No, the Lord's work. The Lord's work. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It seems to be divided into two sections here. The thought of the carnality of the church. And then Paul uses that as a springboard to talk about that the church really is the Lord's work. <clears throat> I believe at this time I'll go through the chapter and then come back over the points in the chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. 
I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, and neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I have Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gaveth to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but the Lord giveth the increase. God giveth the increase. And so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For ye, we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth there, thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth within you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. So Paul is speaking after he has laid the foundation that uh, the church is built on Christ. It is through humility, and not the wisdom of man, but the wisdom of God, that we come together in the body of Christ, the church, he then comes back and addresses uh, this thing of carnality. And he sees the division, the contention, as a sign of carnality within the church. And so my first section here is that of carnality before we get into the work of the Lord. Excuse me. So he sees there was a lack of growth. He said, I couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual, but I had to speak unto you as babes in Christ. I had to feed you with milk instead of with meat. Now, milk is nourishing, and and we we need that. Uh, But we also uh, need, need to grow beyond that. If our children would only digest milk, we would become very concerned. And Paul here was concerned with the church because it seemed like they were not progressing spiritually. He says, for are ye not carnal 
And then he points to the th issue, he says, for whereas there is among you envying, envying the problem here. Envying, we can use the word, can be translated the word jealousy. It is that spirit which makes a person tear down another to exalt himself. And so they were, within the church, uh, they were yet of the natural man. They have not yielded themselves into spiritual growth. And they were yet of the natural uh, babes in Christ. I, I believe they were believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, this was a, a, a young church. But they needed to grow. And he says there, there's envying, there's jealousy among you. Uh, this jealousy is, is, you know, looking at the faults of others to promote your own. It's also when we see the, the good and the growth in others, uh, we sort of, eh, sort of just push it under the rug. But when we grow or have strengths, we, you know, exalt ourselves. That, that's the... The thought of envy and jealousy is, is lifting one up and also tearing another down. <clears throat> this envying and jealousy, uh, which is, comes from the devil, uh, brings strife within a congregation, brings strife any, even in any organization if there's going to be jealousy and envying. Uh, it will bring strife. That strife is a contention. It's, uh, I read once somewhere it's unhealthy Christian rivalries. It's, it's a rivaling for position. It's quarrelsome. It's competitive. Uh, it's argumentative. And this envy and jealousy led to strife. This strife was causing division within the church. At the end of that verse, he says, Are ye not carnal and walk as men? You're still walking as men. You have not progressed spiritually in, in the spiritual disciplines of life. And then he, he says that this, this carnality is taking the face of, for while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. And he says, are you not carnal? You know, they're, they're undue following of, of leaders. Now, of course... We know that Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church, and we don't have that problem today at all. But, you know, there is that thing because of the fact that we are individuals. We have individual personalities. We have individual characteristics. We have the way of presenting things. That there are those within our congregation who would sooner listen to one minister speak above another. That's natural. That's because of the makeup of who we are. But we dare not come to the point where we shut one out because he's not our favorite speaker. And so we are but a choice away from what was happening at Corinth. Okay? Allowing ourselves to be carnal, not to be spiritual, take uh, even those dull and boring speakers and engaging and taking in uh, the truths that God has for us. You know, our, we're, we're blessed to have a plural ministry and we minister to the, 
to the whole of the congregation. I think God has designed it that way. We, I appreciate that. It would be kind of bad if uh, we only had one minister and he preached every Sunday morning and occasionally somebody else came in. Uh, that would not minister to the people, I don't think, as effectively. So uh, we have our favorites, uh, but we dare not uh, come into a following and say, uh, you know, this is the way you know, we're just going to follow one and we're not going to take from another. There again, uh, we don't necessarily have that in our day and age today. In the society in which we live, there is not that undue uh, following of leadership. It is more of taking a leader, even if it is a good leader or we consider it a poor leader, taking that leader and critiquing them to the point where we pick them all apart and find all their faults. Uh, that is more the spirit of the age today. And you know, here again, we are but a choice away from that. Uh, and allowing the devil to work that within our lives for the destruction of the church. The devil would really love to do that. Uh, he would love to see that happen. And, and I, I don't know the congregation here, and, but I don't think that that's happening here. But, we are but a, it is but an individual choice. And when one picks up on something like that, if the rest of the group is not spiritual, they, they can cre- create a following. Also then, uh, well, back to chapter 2, you know, Paul was saying how that he strove to be faithful to God. And the ministry can make a difference in the congregation if the ministry is going to be divided and have a divided face to the congregation, then the congregation will be divided. Uh, Ministers, because we are individuals, we don't all think the same way. And so the ministry team needs to work out how it's going to happen, what's going to take place when they're in charge of making a decision, come to a common decision, and present a single face to the congregation. And when that happens, uh, it can be a blessing. When somebody has something they bring to one particular person of the ministry uh, it needs to be presented to the whole or you be careful or you end up uh, you know causing tension and division the seeds of that and so I believe it is the desire of those who are spiritual those who are Striving in, in the kingdom of God to uh, have that unity of the spirit of Jesus Christ that uh, God would have for his congregation. Moving on, uh, there would be other things that we could speak about in the carnality, but we're going to let that go. We're going to move on to the next section here, uh, which I have called the Lord's work. I want to look first of all at that of the laborers, the workmanship, and then the fact that we are to the temple. <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier, Paul had used this opportunity of, of this face of carnality that came in undue following of leadership to point out that the work is the Lord's. 
Paul says, uh, begins there in verse 5, he said, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed? The leadership that was given there in Corinth was but the fact that they were bringing the gospel to the people so that they could believe in the work of Jesus Christ, find salvation, collectively worship, and build the church of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul says, even as the Lord giveth to every man. The Lord, that's the way the Lord had planned it, the fact that we as his people are to be those laborers for him. And Paul says, you know, who, who is Paul and who is Apollos? We're mere, merely ministers. We're merely vessels uh, where God's word goes forth. He continues that in the thought of the, of the vineyard. He says, I have planted and Apollos watered. And so it's not, but he closes that verse with, but the Lord giveth the increase. God giveth the increase. And so Paul is taking the focus away from the laborers in the church, the laborers in the kingdom, to the head of the church, the foundation of the church, and the one who gives the increase. And so Paul is saying the increases of God. And so I, the farmers, if you plant and if you do everything that you can, if, it, if God doesn't give the increase, are you going to get a harvest? Well, we say this is the way God created things. Well, yeah, it was God who created the fact that you plant a seed, it grows and matures and bears fruit. And the same thing is within the church. It is not, it is not we as human leadership. Yes, there is work for each to do, but it is God who gives the increase. That's why Paul comes and said, said in verse 2, he says, My preaching was not in enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of man. It would not stand in individual leaders, but it would stand in the power of God. And so that was Paul's heart cry, Paul's des- desire. And then in verse 7 he says, well, so then it's not I who, you know, it's neither the one who watered, neither the one who planted. That, but it's God who gave the increase. We are mere laborers. Verse 2, then he, I mean, sorry, verse 8, he continues in somewhat the same thing. He says, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And so the one who plants the seed, the one who does the watering, does the nurturing, does the discipleship, we're one and the same. Uh, Yes, we're individual faces, but we are all coming together as the body of Christ to promote uh, Jesus Christ and the growth uh, within the believers. Paul in his discussion here brings up the fact that there is reward for labor. Now I don't see anywhere in this passage what that reward is. But he mentions it here in verse uh, verse 8. You know, neither is he that planteth well, he that planteth and watereth or one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So we see that reward is given according to labor, but Paul doesn't specify what the reward is. And I, I don't, if you find it in this passage, let me know. I, I, would, I would like to, to grow in, in wisdom and knowledge. But he is stressing the fact of the, the teamwork. Then uh, the verse that I had given before, the fact of that 
you know, Paul says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. So Paul recognized his calling in life. His calling was, in life was that to be a, a one who went out to the, an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was one who went out and brought the message to, to people. He, as it were, established churches and moved on. Paul knew uh, that he was simply laying a groundwork of Jesus Christ and having people come to Christ, having them come together in a body of believers, and then he would move on and do that in another town. That was Paul's work. Paul says that, that was, he felt that was his calling in life, was to go and plant, uh, preach the word, and establish uh, congregations. Paul also, what he says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So Paul lays the foundation in Christ. There are going to be others that come along, Apollos, Cephas, you know, he mentions that are mentioned there. They're going to come along and they're going to do the upbuilding. They're going to do the nurturing. They're going to, do, they're going to see the, the growth and the fruit and, and, and the blessing of the congregation. And Paul says that's fine. We need both. We, we, we are working. We are laborers together. <clears throat> Actually, that's what I sorry, missed, verse 9. Paul says in the fact of the planting and the watering, he says we are laborers together with God. And he says, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. And uh, here is where Paul makes the transition from that of husbandry to that of a building. Uh, from the planting and the watering and the harvest to that of a, of a building where you have a foundation, uh, you have the, the, the framework, you have the upbuilding of that and, and the details that go along with that. Paul is saying, you know, his calling in life was to lay the foundation of Christ. And then Paul recognizes the fact that he says there's no other foundation that can be laid than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. And in essence, he is already laid. Paul is simply revealing that foundation to the people that he was coming to, that foundation in Christ. The foundation uh, is, is something solid that you build, you build the building on. It also gives the perimeters of the building. Uh, you don't build beyond the foundation. You build, a, you, you know the building, everything's laid out, and the foundation is laid according to the building that is going to be built upon that. And so Jesus Christ, the foundation and the, and the chief cornerstone, uh, it, it gives the perimeters uh, the, of the church. But that foundation, as Paul had noted in the beginning, was a stumbling block to the Jews because of the humiliation of the cross. It was also foolishness to the Greeks because the cross was also a form of humiliation and punishment in the eyes of the Greeks. And so it's foolishness to follow someone who was crucified. That was the 
lowest death of a criminal. And so uh, the wisdom of God in his building uh, is just beyond what we can understand and fully grasp. Paul then goes on to, to talk about the fact that Christ being the foundation, he says, now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. And so if we have anybody who has these verses down pat, okay, and knows the, the meaning of it, I'll, I'll give you opportunity to, to expound them to us. Uh, I'm not sure that I have all of, all of what's there. But we have uh, the fact that if, if any man's going to build upon the foundation, so it's the upbuilding on the foundation of Jesus Christ, uh, we have gold, we have silver, we have precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. That we look at as material for building. And do you notice any distinction in, in these materials? There seems to be two classes of material. The gold, the silver, and the precious stone, and the wood, the hay, and the stubble. Now we know what gold, silver, and precious stone are. I don't need to go on to explain that. The wood, the hay, and the stubble would be that of the, the timber. The hay would be that of grass, and the stubble would be that of a stalk of wheat or a stalk of corn. Uh, so what material are you going to build with? Now, he doesn't, he doesn't say right or wrong in the materials. Paul doesn't really give any explanation. Other than the fact that he comes in the next verse, he says, every man's work will be made manifest. Okay, Every man's work, everyone who works in the kingdom of God, their work will be made manifest. It will be open, made open, it will be revealed it will be public for the day shall declare it and so it is going to be shown it is going to be made plain the the day could be thought of as the day of the lord or the day of judgment uh the end of the end of time the day of judgment <clears throat> when we come to the culmination it also says that it will be uh revealed by fire for the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. And so we see that there is going to be the fact of the, the trial by fire. There are some of these materials that will withstand the fire, or at least some fire. When the fire gets hot enough, it will melt the gold and the silver and will have its effect on the precious stone. But the fire will quickly consume the stubble and the hay, and the wood will endure a little longer. What are we to make of that? I, I'm not exactly sure what all. But I would say with, if we connect that with the thought of the wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world, which we have seen in chapter 1 and chapter 2, The wood, the gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hand, stubble are not only, in my mind, not only materials that we use, but it is also methods that are employed. 
And so Paul, he says, he, he wanted to, his, his preaching was that of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was not enticing words that tickled the ears. He wanted some meat. He wanted something that fed the soul. In matters of decisions, in matters of judgment, in matters of things that need to need be taking place within the church, are we looking to the, the natural wisdom of man and the world and the society in which we live? Or are we digging into the, the wisdom of God and seeking his guidance and direction so that our, not only our material, but our methods would be that of the gold and the silver and the precious stone. There were, you know, it goes on to say that every man's you know, work's going to be tried by fire of what sort it is. Verse 14 is, if any man's work abide which he built thereupon, he will receive a reward. The following verse, verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. So the building, his laboring, could be in vain or could not have received the increase that he was looking for. It clearly is not his salvation because he says, uh, continuing verse 15, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And so could it be that at the end of my life, my labor for the church, because of my emphasis on the carnal, my emphasis on pleasing men, the labor, the building, the, the work could be fruitless at the end. I trust that it's not. That's not what I'm striving for. But could it be? Instead of simply being a vessel used in the hand of Almighty God to proclaim the gospel that he has given, the word that he has given so that we, so that we as men can understand it, being led by the Spirit of God, and so when decisions and things are made so that we've, we've, the focus is the one who gives the increase, God, and the foundation in which we are laid upon. That's some of my thoughts here on this passage. I have heard comments from people who have been sat in church and they said, well, you know, we... We left church and we just didn't feel spiritually satisfied. And they went to another church and they said, we, it's such a blessing to get fed spiritual food. We feel satisfied. We feel like the message has been given. The word of God has been declared. I myself had sat in a conference where you had uh, two speakers back-to-back -back in the morning, two speakers back-to-back -back in the afternoon, two speakers back-to-back -back in the evening one evening service. The first got, speaker got up, I forget exactly, it had something to do with creation. He got up, uh, he was a fireball, and he preached. I mean, it, 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 
easy to listen to, but when I was done, it was like, what was in it? What was in it? The second speaker got up, and within a few minutes after he started, I realized we're getting some solid food here. And it was, to me, it was a difference of night and day. Now, I don't know if other people thought about it or not. I didn't discuss it with others. And so what are the methods that we employ? Uh, How are we building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ? Also, I think it might have to do with the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God because as we come down later in the chapter, Paul again comes to the fact of the wisdom of God and the wisdom of men or the wisdom of this world. Before we get there, Paul says then the fact that this building, uh, that we are striving and we are laboring together as laborers together with God, he says uh, in verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Now, that word uh, temple finds somewhat of its definition in the context in which it's in. If you would go to uh, chapter 6, verse 19, Paul uses that word temple again. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. So there, Paul, the temple is clearly, Paul clearly says that that temple is your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is the indwelling of the Spirit. Here in this passage, with the fact that the the context of the Scripture is talking about the local body, uh, of the local church body, uh, it, it seems like Paul is saying here that know ye not that Ebenezer here is the temple of God. Okay, You individually are the temple as well. But collectively, you are also the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells with you individually and collectively. That's a little bit what I I take here. And if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. So now, earlier Paul was talking about the fire trying every man's work. That was the labor for the Lord. Here, Paul then speaks about the fact of of the defiling of the temple, the defiling of the body of Christ. If any man is going to defile that, it seems the judgment is different than if he simply uses a poor quality or poor workmanship in the church. The actual defiling Uh, brings the judgment of God. Him will God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And so it seems like here we have Paul speaking about the collective body, the church. The church at Corinth is the temple of God, and collectively together we are to strive to build that together as a temple where God is going to dwell not only individually in the hearts, but collectively as a group. I'm open for correction on that as well. Paul continues then, he says, let no man deceive himself, 
if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, if you seem to have knowledge and wisdom and understanding, don't deceive yourself in thinking that the wisdom of the world is the way to go. Let him become a fool, that he might be wise. Let him lay aside, let, let, let him be thought of as a fool to accept and embrace this Jesus Christ who was crucified, who is a stumbling block to the Jews, who's foolishness to the Greeks. But he is the foundation of the church. Lay aside these wisdoms of the world uh, and maybe even be thought of, of a fool that you might become wise in Christ. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And so God has a way of taking those who are worldly wise and humiliating them. Uh, taking them in their own wisdom and in their own craftiness. So let's have a heart after God. Let's seek his wisdom. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. And usually those who are educated in this world without also coming and embracing Jesus Christ. You can be wise in this world and embrace Christ, and you can, have a, you, can, you can do things for the Lord. But you can be wise in this world and allow that wisdom to puff you up, and you can become a detriment to the church of Jesus Christ. So let's take that wisdom. Uh, let's not not become wise in this world, in the, in, the, in, in the things and the knowledge and understanding, but let us take that and bring it unto be subservient to the wisdom of God. And so it is in the wisdom of God, then Paul goes on, he says, therefore, the fact that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, God is going to take the wise in their own craftiness. He says, therefore, let no man glory in men. You don't, don't glory in the fact that we're following Paul or following Apollos or following Cephas. I don't know the names of all the ministers here, so I'm not going to start. But, you know, we're not following men. We're following Jesus Christ. Therefore, let no man glory in man, for all things are yours. Whether it's Paul, who this group embraces, or whether it's Apollos or whether it's Cephas, or the world or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. Those things are available to us. We're allowed to use them. But remember that year Christ, if you have come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, year Christ and Christ is God's. And so it is all to the glory of God the one who gives the increase. So let's be careful. Uh, we are thought of as a vineyard. We are thought of in a vineyard, in that of husbandry. There is always those weeds that come. If you let your garden go, it will be very poor in production. So it needs the care, it needs the, the nurture, the weeds need to be taken out. We need to find them early and extract them. Let's follow in the things. That, uh, let's keep the vineyard.
In the thought of the building, the foundation is Jesus Christ. He is the one that we are laid upon. He is the one in whom we have come in to the church body. It is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We are his temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell not only within me individually, but within the congregation collectively, where the voice of God can be heard and the will of God can be discerned and the nurture of the young souls can be done and the upbuilding can be to the glory of God. There is work for all to do. And we all need to be careful, not only in the materials that we use, but in the methods that we employ. Because it will all be, it is all exposed to God. He knows the attitudes of our heart and the reason we do things. And let's not be it for the glory of man, but let's be for the glory of God. Ye are a holy temple, ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. May the Lord add his blessing.